0: Tech talk. Tech talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk.
1: Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, we'll look back at what was a rough week for Meta and what the 1.2 billion euro fine from the Data Protection Commission will mean for the company. The winner of Lion's Den will talk about the visualisation of data and I'll meet the team behind the Nickelodeon smartwatch for kids. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Instagram at jesskellynt. Uh, and we have plenty to talk about this week because on Monday morning at 11am, the Data Protection Commission announced the biggest ever fine under the GDPR against Facebook Ireland, one2 Billion, Which is a colossal amount of money by any standard. Uh, Nick Clegg and Jennifer Newstead of Meta released a blog post after that decision was published. Here is just a flavour of what they said. They said they are disappointed to have been singled out when using the same legal mechanism as thousands of other companies looking to provide services in Europe. The decision is flawed unjustified and sets a dangerous precedent for the countless other companies transferring data between the EU and the US. They continue to say it also raises serious questions about a regulatory process that enables the EGPB to overrule a lead regulator in this way, disregarding the findings of its multi-year inquiry without giving the company in question a right to be heard. No country has done more than the US, to align with European rules via their latest reforms while transfers continue largely unchallenged to countries such as China. Uh, That full blog post, you can read it online. It is quite interesting to hear what they had to say they did say they are going to uh, object or uh, appeal the decision made by Helen Dixon's office. Uh, but speaking of Helen Dixon, the Data Protection Commissioner, she spoke to Anton Savage here on News Talk on Tuesday. And this is what she had to say.
2: Well, just to rewind a little bit What what comes before any measures is an investigation, and the Irish DPC conducted a very comprehensive and detailed investigation that we commenced in August 2020 in relation to Facebook Ireland's transfers to Facebook Inc., I think you and your listeners are aware that under the form of one-stop shop that exists under the GDPR, when the Irish DPC concludes an investigation, we have to submit a draft of our decision to our fellow data protection authorities, essentially for a form of co-decision making. So in this case, when we concluded our investigation and in fact found that Facebook's transfers were unlawful. And we submitted a draft of our decision to our colleagues. They fully endorsed uh, the investigation, the analysis and the findings of the Irish DPC. They fully endorsed the measure that the DPC proposed, which was that Facebook's transfers of data from the EU to the US would have to be suspended. But what is the case is that four of the 47 authorities that were obliged to consult with said well there also needs to be a fine applied and the dpc had considered the issue to issue of a fine when we prepared our draft decision but we were of the view that in order to be effective appropriate proportionate and dissuasive in the measures the the appropriate sanction was to suspend and in indeed. Line but this is excellent. what then got,
0: this is then, Helen Dixon, what got referred to the European Data Protection Board, and they have come back and found roundly to the other view of yours. To an external person viewing this, to the layperson, it would appear to be an ideological separation between the Irish DPC and your European colleagues. That on the one hand, in this instance, the Irish DPC is effectively saying Facebook acted in relatively good faith, and as long as they make things right, we can continue business as usual, and the European view is no. Facebook needs to be taught a lesson. Is that a fair summary of the? the oh, oh, oh no,
2: no, no! That, that that is a completely incorrect synopsis. Remember what I said. We concluded an investigation. We found Facebook's transfers to be unlawful, and we said the effective penalty in that case is that we are going to suspend transfers. And bear in mind, it was last summer when we transmitted that decision. And had our decision not met with any objections and been adopted automatically last summer, you would have had a suspension of Facebook's transfers already in existence now. So there
1: you have it. Uh, And as I mentioned, Meta said it's going to appeal the judgment. And I guess time will tell if other companies will be investigated and fined for using similar practices because Helen Dixon in that interview with Anton did say that, uh, you know, there are other companies who are doing, you know, the the same, utilising the same mechanisms. Uh, So that is definitely one to watch. Elsewhere uh, in the world of Meta Ireland we did see some further job cuts announced. Uh, a pretty significant number this time around. Uh, 490 roles are going to be made redundant from the Irish office. This is something that had been flagged by Mark Zuckerberg a few months back as part of the wider restructuring of the company. Uh, it's obviously a very difficult situation and particularly for those involved. Uh, and again, they are going through the process and the consultation process. So that number won't be finalised uh, until that process comes to an end. But it's thought that around 490 roles, uh have been made redundant from the Irish office. Uh, and finally, in the world of tech news this week, Netflix has started to inform Irish customers that the crackdown on password sharing has begun. I myself received an email on Wednesday evening saying that my account is for me and those in my household, uh, which I think is their polite way of saying stop. Uh, But if you pay for uh, your account as in a direct debit rather than getting it as an added perk through your TV package, you can transfer the freeloader profiles to an account of their own uh, for an extra fee of four I'm very interested to see who gets on board with this and who just does without. Uh, what's your thoughts? What one are you going to do? Are you going to keep it and pay or are you going to ditch it? Uh, email me techtalk at newstalk.com. Now, you may remember a few weeks ago, the NTA said it could be a few years before we have contactless payments on our public transport. Uh, that to me just seems... Baffling and bonkers, to be completely frank with you, because I have been to little market stalls in different parts of this country and been able to pay with my phone, never mind a card. Uh, if you go into any coffee shop up and down the country, chances are you can pay with your watch if you want. So the fact that we haven't cracked this uh, for our public transport yet is just bananas. But anyway, I recently spoke to Ed McLaughlin, who is the CTO of MasterCard, about the development of new payment methods. But we started by talking about the opportunities that came within the world of digital payments during the pandemic.
0: So for all the unfortunate things that happened during the pandemic, one thing which did come out of it was an accelerated shift to digital. So for MasterCard, uh, we now have over a hundred different merchants or a hundred million places you can use your MasterCard. Five years ago, it was about 50 million, so we've doubled in the last few years. So I think part of that was this accelerating shift over to digital. So we want to make sure that any way that a consumer wants to interact, they can do it safely, securely using MasterCard. So whether it's the existing card you have in your pocket that you want to use, all the way through to a merchant that's opened up their first digital storefront. Uh, we're very excited to get contactless on the buses this year. Um, so. Our whole point is anywhere you can use it, you want to use it with confidence. And this shift into ever more connected and digital devices, we think is just a great thing for consumers and a great thing for our network.
1: Mm. The the network that you have and the partners and the the customers, I suppose, that you have, how much of a shift do they need to make every time an innovation occurs from a MasterCard point of view? And the example I'll give Mm -hmm. is there's a store not far from where we're sitting right now, and they still don't have a contactless machine. So it's still a chip and pin machine, which is bonkers, right? Yes. If you guys brought in that I could pay with my eyelash tomorrow, uh, how much of a hassle would that be for the retailers and your customers to ensure that they can offer those different products to their customers?
0: So uh, I think there's two important things when we think about innovation. We want to make sure that people don't lose anything, Mm -hmm. right? One question I get is, when does the plastic go away? I'm like, when the last person wants one. We have something that works great that people like. We keep it out there. And so for a merchant, they can interact with the customers in whatever way is best for their business. Now on the innovation front, what we want to do is keep building new capabilities so people know that when they want to do it, MasterCard is ready for them. So for example, your local merchant, we're now introducing tap on phone. So if they have a mobile, if they have a Samsung or an Apple or any other type of device, they'll be able to take contactless payments right on that mobile. So our view is as we get more and more connected devices, all of those will be used for commerce, for shopping. It's what we do as people, mm-hmm. and we're building the right technology to enable all of it. But our approach to innovation is try to make sure you never lose anything, the experiences you love, the things that work great for you, and then you can adapt new things, mm-hmm. whether it's that merchant or a consumer, on your own pace.
1: Mm-hmm. And in terms of the educating of the customers, as in your customers, and then the average consumer on the street. Uh, How important is that as part of your mission and vision to ensure that nobody is left behind?
0: So two things again. One, I don't think anyone wants to be educated. Mm -hmm. So we spend a tremendous amount of time on human-centered design of trying to make things as accessible, as easy to use, to make it natural and native and embedded. So you're not really thinking about the payment, how do I do it? Yeah. You're thinking about what is it I'm trying to do, and it's embedded in. So if you think of your streaming service, right, all that's enabled for you, and then on the back end, we can make sure it keeps going. Mm-hmm. So we, we try to have things which are easy, accessible, and, and feel really natural for that. Now, for people who aren't, and this is, around the world that aren't currently involved in the financial system. There's a lot we do there in financial inclusion. So we set out a mission in 2015 to bring a half a billion people into the formal financial system because if you're cut off or if you're connected electronically, but you're not connected economically, you're still cut off. You're not a full participant. And since then, we've adjusted our goal to now target a billion, and we've already brought over 780 million people into the financial system. So they can enjoy the same benefits that we do. Mm -hmm. They can shop online. They can get access to the education or the entertainment options that that are there for them. So for people who already have access to MasterCard, we want to make it as simple and as seamless that you don't think about it. Mm We work a lot, though, in financial education and financial inclusion to help bring people into the financial system, and MasterCard helps them do that.
1: Yeah, it's massively important. Uh, you mentioned there that you know people don't necessarily, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but people don't really care what goes on in the background. We just want to be able to pay for my ice cream on my way home. I don't need to know all the magic that goes on in the background, yeah. right? But the second something goes wrong, and if so, if my account yeah. is infiltrated or compromised in any way, I want to know the name of every single person who was ever yes. involved in anything, and I want to send them all a letter because it's very frustrating. How important is the security piece, but also how important is the seamless security piece so that yeah. I don't get inconvenience with two FA codes every six seconds, uh, but my account is still secure?
0: So one thing, we have people around the world. We've got thousand plus people here at one south county who worry all the time so you don't have to we're constantly monitoring the network we're making sure that the resilience is there so it'll always work when you need it Uh, one we just talked about the buses right if you're about to get on the bus you want to make sure you're getting on the bus the taps there for you because you got a queue of people behind you so we spend a lot of time on the reliability and the resilience of the network then what happens when something goes wrong and one of the real benefits that a MasterCard provides or just about any other payment system that's out there is as a consumer, you have zero liability. Mm-hmm. We stand behind that. You have recourse, if you got ripped off, if you have a problem with a merchant, we'll actually stand in and charge that back for you. So we also wanna make sure people have real confidence that as they're using the MasterCard network, they can trust that we're standing behind what they're doing. And then the third thing, and this really does get down to technology innovation, is we've been a leader in applying things like advanced AI in fraud protection in the network. Uh, I was really proud, uh, Forbes magazine in 2019, for a lot of technology that came out of Dublin, gave us their innovation of the year for how we had 13 different AI engines in this real-time memory grid, like this engineering marvel Mm -hmm. that scans every transaction in the network. And not only did it stop three times as much fraud as the old systems used to, It let six times more transactions through because they were good. So for you not having to worry about it, we're constantly watching. Mm -hmm. We're making sure you're not inconvenienced or blocked because we've moved a lot of that intelligence into the systems themselves. And that's what we think about all the time. How do you make it frictionless Mm -hmm. but make sure you're actually advancing and enhancing the security that's there? Mm -hmm. One more. That's the move to digital if you think about the chip we used to glue on the card to make it secure now we can use all the chips and the connectivity in the devices and get even richer signals to make sure it's not that we're compromising security in the internet of things or moving to devices mm-hmm. but we can actually use the devices themselves to make it more secure
1: there's uh, there was a report uh, that I did on news talk breakfast a few months ago uh, because uh, an academic in cork said that he was in a pub he had his card in his pocket, mm-hmm. and somebody was going around with a contactless machine and was managing to take 15 euro from the card, and he didn't know about it. Now, this is something that we've looked into. The mm-hmm. guardie has said that they haven't heard a massive yeah. spate of these types of attacks. But I am curious about the tap and go and yeah. the security of it and how easy it is that if I left my card on the desk here now and walked out, anybody could use it within reason. How does MasterCard, I suppose, have the confidence to, to row in and back the customer and cover, you know, payments that they may not recognize yeah. when you can't possibly know for 100% sure that some agent just doesn't leave their card behind and that's the height of it?
0: Well, we, we, we stand behind um, people for whatever they do. So one of the things that you'll see is, you know, when we see an odd transaction pattern, -hmm. Which is typically what happens. We'll actually have the, you've probably gotten a text from the bank saying, is this you? Are you doing that? So, part of the great thing about seeing everything that's happening in the network in real time is if suddenly you were shopping at a place that you've never been, or we saw too rapid a set of taps or things of that Mm -hmm. nature, we would be able to tell, hey, we think something's going wrong here. We even have circuit breakers in the network where if suddenly your card was being used in multiple places, well, we'll block that. Uh, because we know that that couldn't be happening. So there's a lot we can see from the transaction patterns, Mm -hmm. which is in the network sort of a passive way uh, of doing that. Uh, The other thing is in the years we've had contactless, we started working with contactless in 2004. And we've yet to see any sort of wide-ranging reader exploits like that you would have. So while theoretically you could probably do it, it's not worth it because we'd block it in the network and we'll stand behind it for the consumer.
1: It's cool to hear how long this technology has been going on. In a session earlier on today, uh, one of your colleagues mentioned that AI has been used, for, I think, since 2006 or so. Like, it's it's a long time yeah. thing, whereas the average consumer is like, oh, ChatGPT is the first iteration of AI, and that's not the case. Are you guys constantly looking at new applications of technology to find ways not only for the consumer but for yourselves as a business as well to be more efficient and ahead of the game as much as possible.
0: That is a a big part of what we always do and it's a big part of actually the research and development facility we have here in Dublin. So for example blockchain technology we have one of the largest patent troves around blockchain because as that technology came out we wanted to look at it see how we could use it see how it would work or not in our network Um, There was a lot of things which the promise really didn't pay off, but there's other things like smart contracts, like some of the things we see coming in with NFTs, some of the things we're coming in with uh, tokenized bank deposits that are really interesting. Mm -hmm. So we're always looking at those new technologies and see how we can adopt it. Um, So things like AI that we've worked with for a long time are maybe just now breaking through into consumer consciousness. But we always look to say, can we use this thing to do what we do better, Mm -hmm. or allow us to do things we could never do before? Uh, One great example is quantum computing, where theoretically, a lot of the encryption methods used for the internet could be attacked in a new way with a quantum computer, could be broken with algorithms that they could solve. Well, we're already experimenting with quantum to prevent that from happening, and we did a, a, a. pilot with a number of our partners to show we could use quantum for the security key distribution Mm -hmm. to be able to get quantum resistant or even unbreakable keys out there using the network. Do we need to do it today? No, but the investments in the foundation we're laying are ready for that if and when we would have to deploy it. So this whole idea of applied research, Mm -hmm. working with academics, looking at the things that are out there and saying how would it apply to the things we provide for our customers or the challenges of running a hyperscale global network. We're constantly looking at those tech.
1: That was Ed McLaughlin, the CTO of Mastercard, speaking to me a few weeks ago here in Dublin. Now, when we come back here on News Talk, we're going to meet the team behind Nickelodeon's smartwatch for kids.